Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Sober as a Judge Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, when I say sober as a judge, I mean it in relation to that one judge from Gwinnett County who was busted on the news for (laughs) being drunk in the middle of the day. Oh, on the, the, uh, not the stand, where where would he be? What's that called? Uh, The Chambers? No, that's behind. No, no, it was at at a bar. Oh, In the middle, like, you know, like during the day, like for lunch. And I remember on the promo for whatever, you know, news expose, local news expose they had. Which are great. It was, um, he not only passed the bar, he stopped and drank (laughs) at it. I thought you were going to say he was drinking while judging. Well, that was the implication is that he was doing the morning session, going out to lunch, getting drunk, and then going back and doing the afternoon session, crocked. Gotcha. The guy thinks it's like 1961 or something. I would actually love for my judge to be slightly hammered. I don't know, man, because, you know, what Depends, if, Yeah, if he's if, a mean drunk, yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly, precisely. Um, so I guess that's as good a setup as any, right? <laughs> sure, right. Well, I mean, what, why don't you want the judge drinking? It's not just because you want him to, you know, pass a sensible sentence, right? Right. It's also, he's got to get from the bar back to the oh, courthouse, sure. and en route, he could take out an entire family. Yeah, and I doubt if the judge has got his robe on on his bicycle. <laughs> no. Although you shouldn't be driving a bicycle really drunk down the road either. And plus, I don't think they're allowed to wear the robes outside of court. I would wear mine everywhere. <laughs> I know you would, Chuck, <laughs> and you wear nothing underneath it, right? That's right. Chuck, give us some stats. There's some pretty bad stats from 2008 that I know you have on hand. Yes, uh, Josh, if you're talking about... Uh, Traffic accidents that result in death. In 2008, there were um, a little more than 37,000 total deaths by traffic accident, mm-hmm. and about close to 14,000 of those were alcohol related. Right. That's 37% of all traffic related deaths were because of alcohol. Yeah, and it's kind of hovered in that range, I noticed, over the past few years. Um, but I went back just for curiosity's sake, and in 1982, Sixty percent of deaths were alcohol related. Wow! And there were twice as many. There were twenty six thousand alcohol related deaths by, uh, you know, vehicular means. I wonder though if it's not just because of um, more driving drunk. I'm sure that's something to do with it. But if that it's because there were fewer SUVs on the road as well. It's probably that. So that would skew the ratio. Probably not as advanced testing, uh, more lax. I think back then you could literally have an open beer in the car if you weren't drunk. (laughs) (laughs) You could just drive, holding the beer, and you're like, it's my first one. Right. What are you going to do? You just take a couple sips while the cop pulls you over. Those were the days. Well, Chuck, we are not a teetotaler society. We tried that once. It was called Prohibition. It didn't work very well, right? You know, the, 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 the... mentality behind prohibition was alcoholics have to have alcohol the rest of us who aren't alcoholics don't have to have alcohol so we can reasonably give it up for the benefit of the alcoholics right right and it didn't work no uh so we are you know we we know everybody likes to take a drink here or there so there is a certain amount of alcohol that you're allowed to have i think in most states it's uh 0.08 i think it's every state now okay is point all 50 away. have that yeah but how to test that Yes. There's a couple of ways. There's a few ways. Um, blood, urine. Yeah. 
But I think you could make a really excellent case that a police officer um, removing a sample of blood or collecting the urine of a driver he suspects is drunk sure. uh, would you know, reasonably violate the um, Fourth Amendment protection against unreasonable search and seizure, right? Yeah, as well as a couple of human rights. Ex- exactly. Yeah. You don't want some cop stabbing you with a, a hypodermic, right? But <clears throat> your breath is expelled yeah. without any expectation of privacy, right? which I think is why we have the breathalyzer and why it's in use. Yeah. Let's talk about the breathalyzer, Chuck, which you could also call the most confounded contraptions ever known to man. They're way more advanced than I thought they ever were. Right. I thought there was a little gnome inside that was like, <laughs> smells like Budweiser and lots of it. Yeah, pretty much. And then much. that was it. No, yeah, no. It's uh, like some of these some of these contraptions, there's um, a few we're going to talk about. There's three main types. But some of them seem almost um, Rube Goldberg-esque. Like totally. You would expect at some point there's a, a candle uh, yeah. that, that's going to burn a string <laughs> that drops an anvil that hits a catapult that like shoots a kitten somewhere. Right. Like That's, that's one of the processes. Of like, yeah. yeah. I, I just want to point out, too, before we move on, that the .08... You know, they've done tests over the years, and they found that .04 actually impairs a human being. Yeah, and the medical association yeah. says .05, right? .05. So I just think, I find it odd that that wouldn't be the limit, that they would say, eh, you can get a little impaired, and that's fine. Just go ahead and get behind the wheel. But just not <laughs> this level of impaired. Right. It just seems weird Just make weird sure you me. blink really hard yeah. and frequently while anyway. you're driving. I guess that just shows that we are not a teetotaling society. So they do understand, like... You might have a drink at a bar having dinner. Right. And then get in your car and go home. And that's okay. I guess. That's what they say. Yeah. So, I mean, at the very least, you can't be arrested for it. Although I, I understand uh, if it's right around .08, it's at the cop's discretion. Yeah, and whether or not you even get a breathalyzer. Yeah. Because not all of them have them. And then I think ev- all of them do the field sobriety test first because the breathalyzer is sort of a pain to get going. So right, but I you'll think, do the test. I think the presence, the, the fact that the breathalyzer exists, mm-hmm. if you do a field sobriety test and arrest the person without giving them a breathalyzer, I think that that's probably frequently acquitted. Is it? I would think so. Yeah. I've, I've never been, uh, I've never blown into a breathalyzer. never been even pulled over oh, yeah. for alcohol. Good, buddy. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about the breathalyzer. Um, from this article written by Craig Freudenreich, Ph.D., the only Ph.D. who writes for the site. Yeah, your buddy, right? No, I don't know. Oh, I thought, oh, that's right, Tom is that's your That's Tom Sheev. Yeah. He has a Ph.D. in School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> um, I was surprised to find out how old these things are. In the 1940s, they were testing the, the blood alcohol content for, by the breath. Yeah, they were called drunkometers back then. <laughs> they really were. And it had some guy with like a crumpled <laughs> fedora and like stars popping around his face. Yeah, they really were though. They were called drunkometers. I know you oh, think I believe good. it. Oh, okay. no, no, I believe it. But they did not have like a nose on there that turned more red as you blew into <laughs> it. It was like, you know, if you if you blew three pink elephants, right, you're going exactly. downtown, buddy. But yeah, they, the, uh, that was when they were first used, but the actual breathalyzer, trademark breathalyzer, was invented in 54 by uh, Dr. Borkenstein. Yes, from the Indiana State Police, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that was another thing I learned, that the Indiana State Police have doctors on their payroll. Yeah, I guess so. Inventor doctors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the the premise of all of the um, breath analyzing machines 
I don't know what the that category would be called. That sounds right. Breath analyzing machine. Sure. Uh, breath Bams. alcohol content breath analyzing <laughs> machines. A breaking bubble, right? A piping feature. Um, they they all work on the same principle, and that's that alcohol is actually absorbed into um, the lungs. Right through your the blood. Breath. Yeah, and so, in your blood. Yeah, like you drink, you take a drink of alcohol, and you know if you're a reasonable adult and you've been drinking for a little while, you know that it doesn't like you don't digest that alcohol and it doesn't like change into maple syrup once it hits your body. It stays as alcohol in your blood. <laughs> you know, it'd be delicious if it changed into <laughs> maple syrup. Right. And there's actually a predictable ratio between the blood alcohol content, which is what screws you up and makes you like blink really heavy and drive into other cars <laughs> and the right. um, alveolar content, which is what's in your lungs and your breath. Right. And it's a 2100 to 1 is the ratio. So if you have um, 2100 milliliters of alcohol in your breath, yeah, you've got one milliliter in your bloodstream. Blood yeah, and that's content. the formula that's the basis for all this, right? Right. All breathalyzers. Yeah. Or breath alcohol monitoring machines. So, so consider this right there. Just the fact that we're measuring breath, we're actually measuring a reflection of the blood alcohol content. Okay, that's that's step one removed from actuality. Yes. Okay. But again, remember the the fact that breathalyzers exist um, shows a deep and continual um, commitment by the state to protect human rights, individual rights, and protect human lives. Right. That that too. Yes. Sure. Of course, Chuck. <laughs> so let's talk about the first one, the breathalyzer, the Kleenex, the aspirin, the Xerox of the Q-tip. breath analyzing yeah. machines. Uh, Josh, that is the, I don't know if it's the most common. I couldn't get any stats on which, uh, you, I think Atlanta uses the infrared one, actually. Do you have like an in at the DA's <laughs> office in Atlanta? You know <laughs> yeah, a lot about Atlanta crime stats. <laughs> I do. Uh, the breathalyzer, Josh, uses a chemical reaction. That basically makes it change color. So uh, what happens is you, you blow into And I'm glad I'm explaining this one because this is the only one I truly understood. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> sort of. Okay. I got um, the uh, fuel cell one. All right. Well, hopefully someone can come in and explain what the infrared one means. <laughs> Maybe Matt, who's uh, guest producing yeah. today. Matt, for, uh, Matt, are you still with that band? Yes. He says yes. Okay. Lines and scissors. Uh, so, Josh, the, bre- the actual breathalyzer, what you do is you blow into it. There are two glass vials with a, a chemical reaction mixture and then a system of photocells. Why is that funny? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so you breathe into the device and it bubbles up and the uh, it bubbles to a mixture of sulfuric acid, mm-hmm. potassium dichromate, silver nitrate, and water. Right. So the, you have reddish-orange di- dichromate, right? That's key. And when you breathe into that and it's bubbling... It actually, the alcohol in it converts it to a green chromium ion, right? Yeah, it changes the color to green depending on how much alcohol you've had. It, it varies on how much color change takes place. Okay. Right? Okay, so you're, we're with so us far. so far, right? Yeah. Are you seeing like how, how difficult this is getting? Yeah, sure. So we've converted alcohol content to a color. Right. Okay, go ahead, Chuck. So, like I said, the degree of uh, color change is related to how much alcohol you expel through your breath. So, what happens then is it, it goes over to the photocell system, and there's an electric current that causes a needle to move up. Okay, so the color, remember this. Uh-huh. 
it's gone from reddish orange, not even red or orange, just to further complicate things. Right. It's a reddish orange <laughs> yeah. that goes to green. Yeah, which is weird. The wavelength is measured to determine how green that green ion is. Because, Chuck, remember the butterfly wings episode? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> color exists in different wavelengths. That's how yeah. it's differentiated. Sure. So there's something measuring the wavelength, right? Right. And then it's comparing the green to the reddish-orange, the original unreacted solution. Yes. And that's what's connected to the meter because the cop doesn't just hold it up like a pregnancy test. Right, right. Thank God. And say, hmm, that looks sort of green to me, at least in this light. It's yellowish green <laughs> rather than, you he's, know, bottle green. As he's holding it next to your green car. You know? <laughs> exactly. So it's actually uh, hooked up to a device. An electric current um, moves the needle. And then the cop then rotates a knob to bring the needle back to its original zero reading, is what I gather. <laughs> and how much he turns that knob, the knob has this, the 0.01, 0.02, and that will tell him or her, if it's a female cop, how much alcohol you have in your breath. So if you see, if you take a breathalyzer and you see a cop turning a knob and shaking his head like, wow, and he keeps turning it and turning it, you're probably in trouble. You're crocked. You're crocked, <laughs> exactly. So um, the blood alcohol content has been converted into a color. Mm-hmm. The color is compared to the original unreacted color. Yes. That disparity is turned into an electrical pulse, which moves a needle. And yes. <laughs> you move the needle back to zero by turning a knob, and the uh-huh. amount of degree that you of turn the, the, knob. the knob that's required mm-hmm. to get it back to zero is how drunk you are. Yes. And then the basket falls on top of the mouse, and it's trapped. Yes. That's a great recap, too, by the way. Thank you. Uh, I, that was that was the only one I really actually understood, too. Well, this should be fun, then, because up next, Josh, is the intoxilizer. And that's the one that uses infrared uh, (laughs) spectroscopy. Yeah. So not only can you convert um, blood alcohol content or your breath alcohol content Mm -hmm. into a color, you can shoot infrared light at it and measure how much is absorbed and then figure out how much uh, alcohol is in the blood using that standard ratio, right? Yes. And that's possible because uh, molecules vibrate. Constantly, mm-hmm. and when you shoot infrared light into uh, a molecule, it will uh, the vibration will change, and the bonds, the literal chemical bonds, will actually change. Right, and we know how much, like say, um, a, a carbon to oxygen bond yeah. in ethanol alcohol, which is what is in our bloodstream, right? Right. How much will be absorbed, and how much will be reflected back? Right. Yeah. Okay. So which once is- again, you're dealing with wavelengths, right? <laughs> yeah. So, Chuck, in this one, it's um, I strongly, strongly recommend uh, people who are listening to this podcast go on to the site afterward and, and look at the sure. breathalyzer uh, article because there's some really great illustrations that I wouldn't have been able to get this yeah. without looking at these. Agreed. Um, but this one looks kind of like a um, nitrous oxide chamber. Yeah. But with two holes in it. Uh-huh. Right? Um, and then at the end, there's a quartz lamp. So the quartz lamp generates a, an infrared beam that shoots through the nitrous oxide chamber, uh-huh. right? You blow into the top hole, and your breath is in there, and it exhales through the other hole, right? Onto a, a spinning wheel. Right. Well, this no, it goes, it, goes, it goes through the infrared beam. Right. And then it goes onto this, yeah, this filter wheel, and it, each of the, there's different lenses in this filter wheel that uh-huh. are polarized to, uh, I guess, just let certain colored... Ions pass through. Right. Right? It's crazy. I know. 
the the different um i guess the different infrared beams that make it through this color wheel hit a photocell which then interprets these things the wavelengths into an electrical pulse uh-huh. again and then that ultimately hits a microprocessor yeah. where the information is translated into the blood alcohol content. Yeah. The percentage. Wow. Could they make it any more difficult? They could. I think the breathalyzer may be more difficult than that one. Really? More complicated? Yeah. This one just seems like, holy cow, because there's like a filter wheel and infrared light. Yeah, that's true. But I think they're equally complicated. And that's what they use in Atlanta. This is the one they use? Yeah. The intoxicator? The intoxilizer. The yeah. eradicator. <laughs> the intoxicator would be you and I. Did you see the kids in the hall on the soup recently? No. They reunited for the first time. Yeah, they, they did a... They're back with a show. Yeah, like, this like was a, to promote. Like a show. miniseries or something they uh-huh. did. I think it's on HBO or Showtime. Can't wait to see that. Yeah, me too. Although they got nothing on the state. That's yeah, you're I'm a big saying. state fan, aren't you? Love those guys. You love David Wayne. I do. And Kim Marino. Those are my boys. Yeah. So... Josh, uh, that's pretty much it for the intoxilizer, right? Bing, bang, boom. Done. Uh, now, this is the, the Alco sensor. I love that there's two, the three and the four. I guess the one and the two went the way of the dodo. Right, yeah. They just said everybody was drunk all I the time. I think version one and version two were the drunkometers of the years drunk-a-meters. past. Yeah, then they changed the name. To Alco sensor. And <laughs> luckily, the Alco sensor... Um, is perfected now, and it uses fuel cell technology. Right. It's kind of the same thing that they're talking about for cars, which is crazy. It's pretty much the exact same thing. You have a uh, a positive post and a negative post, and then in between you have a um, an electrolyte, which is just basically a thin film, right? Yeah, the, the poster platinum electrodes. Right. For all you chemistry nerds out there. Right. So this one has uh, the, the suspected drunk driver blow through a um, – the say, the negative post, the the platinum negative post. Right. And this oxidizes the alcohol present in the breath, right? Yes, and that produces protons, electrons, and something called acetic acid. Right. So, but the, the and the acetic acid is actually vinegar, so it's actually producing vinegar. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that is I'll weird. bet that these things stink after oh, a few God. uses. Um, the, the really important part here is that it strips the ethanol, I believe the hydrogen specifically, of its electrons. Right. Now, electrons have this thing called electron flow where they naturally gravitate from negative side, a negative post of like a battery, to the positive. Yeah. And the electron flow, this movement of electrons, is actually where we get our electricity from. And this is exactly how a fuel cell works in a, in a car that runs on hydrogen. Right. Um, so you direct these. The electrolyte won't let the electrons go through. Right. Okay. So these negatively charged electrons are run through a, a circuit. In the middle of the circuit, you have um, this electrical pulse that's th- or this electro electrical meter that's reading the pulse, the current. Yeah. Right. As it passes through to the positive side to rejoin its friends, and wh- however, I guess the more electrons there are present, mm-hmm. the more blood alcohol there is. So this this meter converts, you know, a high voltage to you know the equivalent BAC. Right. So the more alcohol is oxidized, basically, the greater the current. And then the microprocessor reads this current and says, bing, drunk. Right. Or 0.08. Yeah. This or is higher. actually the simplest one. Y- you think so? Uh-huh. Yeah? Yeah. I do. That's for my money, buddy. <laughs> I'm going with the, uh, what is this one called again? Intoxilizer. 
Yeah. Composite I'm, sounds the coolest. I'm going with the gnome. <laughs> That's the simplest Ooh, one. This guy is drunk. Um, I got a couple of things here. Um, Obviously, we're not encouraging anyone to drink and drive ever. No, I think that's really important. Because they do say that even one drink can impair you, but they do have some, uh, they floated some stats out there about how much you can supposedly drink and, and still not blow a DUI. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they say a 180-pound man, which, show me a 180-pound man. Come on. <laughs> you got to get above two bills if you're a dude. I, uh, yeah, I think so too. I don't. I think the trend is going the other way though, with I, the skinny gonna, <laughs> jeans and everything. Well, I'm going to have a shirt that says "Real Men Weigh 200 Pounds." Nice or more. I'll bet we get one on our Facebook page. That <laughs> we do. So, a 180 pound dude can supposedly be at point eight after four drinks, but they don't give an amount of time either. Yeah, I would dispute that. If I have four drinks, and what kind of drinks? If I have four, so let's say that it's that standard, like one shot, you know, X one, number of ounces of wine, and then like I think yeah. twelve ounces of beer. I think it's five ounces. five ounces of wine or a twelve ounce beer or a shot. It's right. supposedly all the same. Dude, if I have four shots, yeah, I'm I'm definitely impaired. You don't want me getting behind the wheel of a car no. if I have four shots in an hour. No, especially. exactly. But I think this is should be. I think they say, like the, the cop that I read an interview with from Atlanta said that. He says, if you can stay within one drink per hour, you're probably going to be okay, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't sweat it. Right, and I, I've also um, adopted drinking a glass of water while drinking a drink. Oh, yeah. Because does that it, work? It's it's not necessarily the dilution, although I suspect that that does have an effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but number one, you're expelling alcohol more frequently because you're drinking a lot of water. What, through urine? Yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't change your blood alcohol. Oh, hold on. And then secondly, you're drinking, you're spreading it out over more time because you're not just drinking alcohol the whole time, you're drinking alcohol and water. So that's, that's, say, doubling the amount of time it takes to finish a drink. So in theory, you could play Boggle while you drank, and as long as it took more time. Yes, but I wouldn't play Boggle. (laughs) You could at Thinking Man Tavern. They have all those games there. Okay. Did you, do you... Get I'm not plugging for that. No, I'm not plugging them. It's just a boat local bar that has like board games, so it's fun. Do you want to give the address? No, I don't. <laughs> it's on College Avenue in Decatur. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the same cop also verified what I thought, which is they they always do a field sobriety test first. Which is, I mean, there's different variations. The the, the count your count back or no? Do the ABCs backwards? Yeah, I can't do that right now. Dead sober. There's no way. You you could. There's try. No I think you should right now. No, I've tried it. I know it starts with Z. It definitely <laughs> does, and it ends with A, Chuck. And uh, here's another tip, too, is you should never, ever sing the alphabet song if you're pulled over by a cop and they ask you to say the alphabet. Not a good move. What, singing the song? Yeah. Like people, I think it wasn't that judge, but some public figure recently did that. I think one of the, like, Gwinnett Mel County, uh, yeah, Mel Gibson sang the alphabet song. <laughs> uh, and Josh, of course, there are other, and like I said, we're not telling you how to beat an alcohol test. No, I think the point here is for, for this stuff we're about to talk about, we're talking about the, the, the aviolar concentration. Yeah. The amount of alcohol concentrated in your breath. It's not constant. It depends on right. what phase of the breath you exhale. Um, and I think people who are, um, a little drunk or drunk and are thinking like this could use this to their advantage, but at the same time, cops might use the opposite to their advantage as well, and I think it's smart they to do. know, you know, so you don't get a, an unnecessary beef against you. Well, and it, it provides, it results in an inaccurate reading, 
and you want accuracy, whether it's you trying to influence it or the cop trying to influence it, they can be influenced like so. Hyperventilating, Josh, will, <laughs> will lower your reading. This feels wrong. It does, but it actually will lower. They've done studies, and if you hyperventilate for 20 seconds, it will actually decrease the reading by 10%. And let's say if you ran up a couple of flights of stairs mm-hmm. they and then blow in, they said it'll decrease it by 20 to 25%. Because it's a more shallow breath, and I think that the breath at the bottom of the lungs is richer in alcohol content. That's why the cop says blow harder and deeper when you're blowing on the breathalyzer. Right. That's that's. I I, I have a problem with anybody trying to um trying to get out of you know breathalyzer reading. Sure. Um, but I also have a problem with uh, um, a police officer trying to jack up in a, a breathalyzer reading. Yeah. And apparently, if you if you breathe really deeply, really hard, you exhale from the bottom of your lungs. The the reading can be um, one and a half times more what the actual blood alcohol content is. Yeah. Which is significant when you're this, talking yeah. about like point oh eight percent or you know point oh seven point one percent or right. something like that. Yeah. Uh, the, the only problem with these, as far as someone out, out there thinking, you know what, I'll just, I can hyperventilate and beat this, is you forget that the cop is there at all times. You can't hyperventilate <laughs> in front of the cop. You're not run up two flights of stairs. Or run up two flights if you of do, stairs. you're going to get shot in the back. So what you're probably going to end up doing is breathing just like they say to, and you'll be pinched. I think ultimately, though, all numbers sh- can be tossed out the window if you're a driver. You know if you're impaired, if you shouldn't be driving. Yeah, so don't and don't, do um, don't believe any of those myths about pennies in your mouth or mints or onions or in, nothing will affect your blood alcohol content. The MythBusters blew that wide open. Snopes blew it wide open. Common sense blows it wide open. Sure, and uh, you can also I checked into it. You can buy a breathalyzer. They have consumer models, right? And they have some that are um, hooked up to the ignition of your car. Yeah, that won't allow you to start. Yeah, but apparently you can get the top-rated one is about 150 bucks. So, if you're that big of a lush <laughs> that you want to purchase one of these and carry it around, or maybe you're being really responsible. I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Yeah, finish the sentence. Well, then you can buy one for a buck fifty, keep it in your purse or your or your pocket. Yeah, and then before you leave the bar, just blow into it and say, you know what, I should wait a little while. That's fantastic. Sober up. Yeah. So that's breathalyzers. Yeah. And uh, again, we would strongly recommend you go, well, we strongly recommend you don't drink and drive. And um, secondly, we strongly recommend you go on to HowStuffWorks.com and look up breathalyzers. You're going to find some pretty, you're going to find some illustrations that will make you go, okay. I get it. Nitrous oxide charge. I know. you. Right. There's the gnome. All right. Chuck, what do we have? Do we have listener mail? Yeah. Well, let's do the listener mail chime. And now, let's do a little bit of plugging first. Oh, okay, plugage. South by Southwest? Yes. Go to http colon slash slash panel picker, one word, dot sxsw dot com. Sign up and you can vote for us. We're under uh, interactive panels, stuff you should know. Yeah, and it'll walk you through, you know, we're trying to get to South by Southwest next March on a panel and uh, visit the fine folks of Austin, Texas, and perhaps do a trivia event there, too, if we can if we can make the panel. Yeah. So if you click on that and click your little thumbs up to vote for it, 
it'll say, oh, you haven't signed up yet, and it'll walk you through the sign-up procedure. Mm-hmm. And I need to point out that it will not put you on some spam list. You won't get emails. No, they swear up and down. Yeah, they promise. It's just so they can verify that you're a real person and all that. And then uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter. We're no Steve Slater, but we're worth following. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and um, Kiva, www.kiva.org mm-hmm. slash team slash stuff you should know. Yep. We have our own micro lending team if you want to learn a little bit about that. And if you have questions or you're confused about micro lending and why we do it, you can read our two part blog post. Yeah. Why we lend on Kiva at S- Team SYSK. Yeah, Josh wrote a really great long form two part thing that's blog post that really spells out Kiva and everything you need to know about it. And well done. Thank you. Um, I almost forgot, Chuckers. Um, we have a very robust t-shirt gallery. Um, not just the winning designs, but a lot of the ones that came close. Mm-hmm. Not so close. Basically, pretty much all of them. I think there's like 10, 15 that aren't up there. Okay. But there's a bunch more and it's like looking into the minds of like Stuff You Should Know listeners. It's really interesting. There's some cool designs on there. So you yeah. can go to, um, let's see, HowStuffWorks.com slash T-Shirt Pictures. And that's T-Shirt-Pictures.htm. And that will take you to it. Awesome. Yeah. So listener mail? Finally. Okay, Josh, I'm going to call this uh, Love from Jamaica. Remember how in the, in the Grow Houses one we talked about... I thought Jamaica might be the highest rate of marijuana consumption. Yeah, it turned out it was Papua New Guinea. Yeah, and then Africa, all over Africa. Okay. Um, So this is from Shonari in Jamaica. She says, uh, here in Jamaica, we don't have indoor grow houses, but more outside cultivation. People grow it outside in deep, overgrown bush country far away from prying eyes, and also in the mountains where people don't venture much. They grow them amongst regular crops like bananas and coffee and sugar to mask the appearance from the sky. And they're normally family uh, operations or local, locally based, where the whole neighborhood, so to speak, will keep a watch out for cops. And the whole neighborhood benefits in some way from the influx of cash that the marijuana provides. Plus free weed. I guess so. Uh, sometimes the local law enforcement will raid these growing operations, but the growers still uh, will set traps for them that will hamper their willingness to even go into these areas. So you got like a badger trap. And the or cop- like a, a tiger pit. Yeah. And the cop's like, I ain't going in there. Yeah. You see one cop fall into a tiger pit, you're not going to follow him. Well, listen to this. One trap I saw on the news sometime back takes the form of hidden water spikes. So they'll basically make a muddy pond and grow marijuana on top of this. And in these ponds, there are solid paths. And there are also uh, paths with spikes sticking up. That's a tiger pit. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, it's a hole with like that, that you dig a pit, oh. and then at the bottom there's these sharpened sticks all sticking up. So when you fall in, you're in deep, deep trouble. I'm, I'm blushing. I thought a tiger pit was like a pit with a tiger in it. <laughs> <laughs> it may have a tiger in it, but it's impaled on stakes. I wouldn't last five minutes in the uh, the Jamaican bush. Of Jamaica, bush. yeah, no way. Uh, in general, though, because of our Rastafarian heritage, where marijuana is part of. The religious practice marijuana is illegal but decriminalized for domestic use. So, uh, as a result, seeing someone smoking pot in the open is not strange, but it can land you a fine. So, this comes from Shinari. I think I said Sharoni, didn't I? Shinari in Jamaica. I think you said Shinari. Sharoni so, doesn't ring a bell. All right. So, thank you, Shinari, 
Thank for you, listening to Jamaica. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't know we had any listeners in. No, she's not in Jamaica. That's her home of Jamaica. No, she lives there, I think. Does she really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thanks, Shinari. We appreciate you uh, keeping the home fires burning down there in Jamaica. If you have any stories about tiger pits or other kind of clever traps or Rube, Rube Goldberg-esque devices, we want to hear about them. Right, Chuck? Yes, I love those. We want to see schematics, actually. You can email them to us at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?